This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. So some numbers are coming out. They do this every, I don't know if they do it every month, but they do it quite regularly. They come out with numbers for us, things to gauge the real estate market by. Comparisons month to month, year to year, decade to decade, probably, I don't know. There are some interesting things that we are finding, not just across the country, but right here in Hamilton about our housing market and whether you should be more excited if you're a seller or more excited if you're a buyer right now. A guy who can help me walk through this, uh, who knows this market as well as anyone, and he also is co-host of the Hamilton Real Estate Show here on 900 CHML Saturday mornings, local realtor Rob Golfe joins you. Rob, how are you tonight? Great, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Okay, so here is the short version, as I understand it, breaking all the numbers down as simply as I possibly can do it. Um, House prices are up year over year, so our house prices on average are higher today than they were at this time last year, but they are down month to month. They've been dipping a little from September down to October down to November. Is that pretty close? That's right. That's right. Yes, so they've uh, the the market is uh, yeah you're right is up over from last year when it comes to average sale price, and uh, but the unit numbers are, are are coming down. And also the other part about this that I found interesting is that the year to year and these are November numbers, but the November to November increase is much smaller than the previous November to November and the one before that. So the the level of growth, the speed of growth, has slowed down. Yes, it has. It has. And and it has become more of a buyer's market that we're in right now. I was going to ask you that. That's the obvious question, <laughs> because if you are looking at this and prices are slowing down, they're still going up, but they're not going up like we saw for a number of years. That would be the obvious thing. If you are looking to get into the market, maybe now is a time to consider that. I It, it is. It's a great time to get into the market. There are there are homes out there that are for sale and uh, they're motivated to sell and uh, because uh, like inventory is is low but but also the buyers are are not as many out there uh, as there normally are but uh, but for the buyer this is a fantastic time of the year to buy they're going to get a good deal now the same house right now possibly we don't know you know I can't predict the future but in the past ten years. Um, you know, once the new year starts, uh, the housing prices will start, there'll be an increase of buyers coming into the market, and that's when the, uh, the sale prices will start becoming a little bit stronger. But, but right now, if you're a buyer, this is the time, and it's, it, and, and it's, and it's tough. Like, ma- making deals are tough right now for, for sellers. It's, uh, it's a grind out there for the sellers right now. Rob, does, any, I mean, does anybody actually buy houses at Christmas time? I had one... Uh, they bought uh, two weeks ago, and they're closing on the twentieth. So they're they're buying, they're buying, and some of them want some of them want in before Christmas. So so there there are buying uh, houses out there, and uh, if the seller can meet the closing date, and the buyer you know wants an, uh, a quick closing, and you know both parties agree, then yeah, that's not a problem. They're they're buying right now. There are buy, sellers uh, selling, and buyers buying. The thing I'm wondering about, especially with this, is we went through a period, and how long was it? I mean, it was a number of years where you literally almost could put your house on the market and expect if your house was in decent shape and priced right, it could sell exceedingly quickly. And we're now seeing people, because things have slowed down a bit, not in every case, there's still people who will sell their home, but it's become more of a grind. It's become more of an effort, and it's become, fair to say, a little less 
guaranteed if you're going to put your house up that something good is going to happen? Yes. Uh, we're not getting... The, the homeowner is not getting the price that they probably are hoping for. So the market... Obviously, the market dictates what a willing buyer is willing to pay. But um, before, you know, you could put your house on the market and the buyers would come. And chances are you'd end up selling it for a decent price. But the problem now is the houses are on the market longer. Uh, the, the homeowner is not going to get the price that he's hoping to get. Uh, it just, it's just not happening. So we just, we just saw somebody uh, today, and uh, they wanted a, a very high price for their house. And we just said, uh, you know, look, it's just, it, it just, you're, you're asking too much money. Um, you're just going to be sitting. The outcome is going to be, you know, that you're going to be disappointed. I'd rather disappoint the, the client now than disappoint the client for six months having or four months uh, of an agreement with them and then having them have that expectation that they can get the, that high number for their house. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not, uh, you know, you have to go with what the market's doing right now. But the people I feel badly for, I mean, I feel happy for people who are trying to get into the market. I mean, sure, we can be happy for them. The people I feel badly for are those who sat there, not sure what they should do, not sure what they should do, and finally they've decided to sell their home thinking just what you described. I'm going to cash in right now. And the neighbor who may have been two houses down who sold for a whack of dough, suddenly you're not getting anywhere near that. I just had that experience. Uh, we had a house uh, that sold earlier uh, this year in the, in the height of the market for 585000 We struggled selling it for 440 The same house? Uh, across the street. Oh, okay. Same, uh, not the same house, but very, very similar home, uh, right on the same street. It was a you know, three-bedroom bungalow, finished basement. Um, and it was, uh, you know, the people that bought the house across the street for 585, they obviously paid a, a, a good dollar for it. Um, uh, but you know, now the neighbor across the street was hoping to get that kind of number and, and it, and it's taken them almost six months to sell their house. And we finally sold it. We're going to take a quick break here, Robbo. I want to continue with this conversation. And actually, if you know, save this one, but if you know what the people who paid that 585,000 are saying today, when they realize they maybe could have paid 440. <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. Continuing our conversation with realtor Rob Golfie about the housing figures, the housing numbers that are just out, specifically about Hamilton. Prices are up year to year, down month to month, though, showing a little slowing. And, Rob, i got to tell you, there is a story out this afternoon that says the Canadian Real Estate Association is warning it expects a $1 billion blow to the economy next year because of the new regulations that are coming into place that they believe, it believes, is going to take a heavy toll on the real estate sector. What do you say to that? Um, I, I think it will take a little bit of a toll. Um, you you will we'll not see the middle-income uh, family, like let's say the the people that live in a, in a $400,000 house, $500,000 house, go into a $700,000 house. You're going to see people staying in their houses a little longer. So that means there's going to be a shortage of homes for sale. Um, and, then, uh, and then the lower-priced homes, um, you're going to find that they're going to even go up even more. So the lower city, um, you're going to find there's going to be way more activity uh, in the real estate market there. So there's, uh, it, 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 what's, every time the government gets involved in doing changes, it, 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 it shifts things. And um, so, and then we'll find people, um, if they're looking to get, um, with the stress test, with the changes that are happening in the market for next year, um, you know, we'll find people going for second mortgages or private lending. But the thing is, the interest rate's higher. 
Um, and uh, but I mean, there will be ways around that where people can buy these houses, uh, and they'll find a way to uh, to you know to get the mortgages and not have to worry about the stress test as much. Uh, the banks will probably do little little things on the side. Say, okay, we can't do this. Possibly, we don't know. Uh, or maybe uh, people may go uh, towards um, credit unions more mm. for financing than they do with the traditional uh, the major banks. Rob, I got to admit, I am confused by this though. Have there not already been some regulations that have come in, or is this slowdown entirely? I hate this word, but I'll use it anyway. Organic. Well, th- there has been regulations for people that uh, were were uh, for insured mortgages. So. Like this, I don't think it's going to have too much of a major effect, in my opinion. I don't know. Like, I mean, everybody's prepping for it. It's like, you know, everybody's prepping for the year 2000 when, you know, with the, the Y2K. Thinking, yeah, the Y2K, and then all of a sudden <laughs> nothing happens. But uh, I, I truly think the market's going to be fine. Uh, I don't think it'll, 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 it'll affect it just a tad bit, but not, not enough to, uh, to make a huge impact in, in the marketplace. Uh, I know there will be people that will hang on to their houses longer, uh, the average. And then you might get the young couple. Now it, what becomes difficult is that young couple that could afford to buy that townhouse for 450000 uh may not be able to buy that, that townhouse now. They may have to wait an extra year or two to, uh, to see if they you know, get more money coming in or more down payment. But there's, there's going to be a lot of factors involved with that. Uh, like townhouses have become so expensive because – Millennials. There's more millennials than baby boomers right now out there, and they're the ones that are driving the market in uh, in the marketplace. And so, so most of them are buying townhouses. That's why townhouses have become so popular in the last uh, five to ten years. But if what you're describing is the case, then the townhouse market, uh, if there's not as many buyers because they can't afford it, that could cool off. You've just said some of those real big houses or the bigger, more expensive houses could cool off. What I'm interpreting, what I'm hearing you saying is. If you own a house that maybe is at the lower end as a fixer-upper, uh, it, that kind of house may be worth an awful lot more than you actually thought it was worth because those it, are the houses that are going to be really sought after. Exactly. Those are the ones that you're going to find that are going to be moving real quick. Um, and uh, there, there's more buyers in that price range than, than any other price range, and it's an affordable price range. So, so you know, you get the young couple that's looking to buy, and they say, well, we can't go on the mountain or we can't go in – you know, in Burlington, so maybe we'll go in the North End, and, and that's getting and that's becoming up and coming right now. Like like there's areas of in the lower city are becoming very popular and, and trendy right now. So there's so that's gonna that's gonna increase more that way. With and but but we're also gonna get the GTA buyers coming more so coming towards the Hamilton Niagara area just because they they're gonna have a problem with the stress test in the GTA. So so now Hamilton will benefit even more because of it. But the local Hamiltonian will have struggle with it. So they may have to find a different way or find some other area to move to to afford the house. Yeah, I have no idea how anybody can afford to survive the stress test, what we're talking about, the stress test in, in the Toronto market, especially when your average house is going to be a million bucks. I have no idea how they do I, that. I, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. And and I in my, my opinion, I think we're going to see a lot more GTA buyers coming uh, to uh, Hamilton uh, in the new year for sure. Would that Rob? Would then the idea, if going back to the idea of your, if you own a lower end home that needs some work, should you then not even bother putting in the new floors or putting in the new kitchen or doing whatever you would normally do to try and attract buyers? Would you be able to sell it even as is and say, you know what, there's just going to be so much demand, I don't need to invest that money to lure buyers. Well, you know what, you, if you fix it up uh, to a certain degree. 
it'll be even better for you because then you'll probably get multiple offers. But but if it's a fixer-upper, there's only very very few people out there um, that you know have the ability or want to get involved in, in, in fixing up houses. But yeah, but yeah, you you still will do well. There's no doubt about it. If if you uh, just leave it the way it is, but you'll do even better, a lot more better. Um, if you you know if you clean it up, give it a good paint job, uh, you know, but, you know, just get, just make it look nice and clean and neat. Um, you know, bake, bake a loaf of bread or some cookies. They always say that's that. That's it. Yeah, make it make it smell good. You know, <laughs> that's that. all you got to do. Bake a loaf of bread, and your house is going to sell for a fortune. Absolutely. Uh, maybe that's not the exact thing that you just said. I'm I'm sort of interpreting that, but uh, well, we won't say Rob Golf. He said all you have to do is bake a loaf of bread to sell <laughs> your home. Uh, you can listen though to more of Rob's advice. He is on here Saturday morning, nine a.m. The Hamilton Real Estate Show. He is co-hosting that, and you can find his website and you see his commercials. And Rob, listen, I really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Well, thank you, Scott, and have a great night. You too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, it is it is something to ponder. If you are thinking that you wanted to sell your home right now, mm, that may be a tough one. You may not get what you think you will get in some cases. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show, 900 CHML. That song uh, kind of ties in for some people to what we're going to talk about next. Because I'm thinking a few people who put down the money on a little red Corvette or any other toy may now find themselves holding some debt and being one of those Canadians who are now looking at record levels of household debt. Apparently, we now owe 171.1% of debt to disposable income in this country, which is a new record, and which the Bank of Canada governor says this is what keeps him up at night. This stuff causes cold sweats for him because we have so much debt now, apparently, and even a few little ticks on the interest rate meter could cause some people to find themselves in a lot of trouble. Well, Scott Hanna is the president of the Credit Counseling Society, he joins me now to chat about this. Scott, thanks for doing this tonight. You're welcome, Scott. Um, I got to say, when I first heard this, when I'm looking at these numbers, help me understand this a little, because when I hear 171% of disposable income, that doesn't sound to me as bad as 171% of income, because we don't all have a ton of disposable income. So is that really a lot of debt? It is when you put it in perspective in terms of what we've carried in the past. Going back 10 years ago, we were just over 100%. So we've gone up dramatically in a relatively short period of time. And if we compare it to our neighbors to the south, when they went into recession back in 2008, 2009, you know, the average American was, was, had about $1.66 or 166% uh, debt in relation to disposable income. That caused them a lot of grief for a long period of time. We're at 171%. And the worrisome thing is that it keeps going up. It's not going down. And you just mentioned how quickly we've gone up. I could guess why that's happened, but from your perspective, why have we done that? What's happened that has... Because I think that's more of a thought process almost than it is just a financial thing. Well, it is, but right now we're in a, in a perfect storm for debt, accumula- debt accumulation. You've got relatively record low interest rates, and you've got easy access to money. And so for a, uh, an extended period of time, we've been able to borrow and borrow cheaply. And it's really taken our focus off of saving. Why would you save money when you're only getting a 1% or 2% rate of return in the bank? 
makes more sense to take out a line of credit at a low rate and, and use those funds. And we've done that. So we've just become accustomed to taking on debt and carrying debt. And so it happens over a long period of time. And one day we wake up and we say, wow, I, I've now reached the point where I'm at the limit of my credit cards, lines of credit, and I'm having difficulty meeting my minimum payments. And that's changed dramatically from when we first opened our doors 21 years ago. Typically back then, we would see people who had been struggling for four to six months and trying to resolve their situation. Today, more often than not, we see people come to us with their credit rating intact, their minimum payments up to date, and they're not aware of the fact that they may be spending a few hundred to a few thousand dollars more than what's been coming in. And it didn't dawn on them until they reached the point where they couldn't access additional credit. That's a scary thing. Well, and, and okay, and I want to get to that, uh, but I want to go back just to one second of what I was saying a moment ago, asking how we got here. Because when I was introducing the show at the start today, before we brought you in, it there was a time, and it wasn't all that long ago, I don't think so. I mean, a few decades, perhaps, maybe longer than a few decades, but where debt was almost seen as the the last necessary evil. You would have to take a mortgage in all likelihood, but you wanted to buy something you saved for it, and then you bought it once you had the money. When did that start changing? A couple of decades ago. That we recently? Started, yeah. We started moving away from delayed gratification to immediate gratification. And with relatively easy access to credit, things changed. I look at when they first introduced ATM cards, and, and that was a huge game changer. It used to be that on a Friday afternoon, for those of us who were working back in the 80s, you would go to your bank and take up the money you needed for the next week. Right. You'd only get it once a week. And so you had to balance and manage that money, because if you didn't, you couldn't get access to your funds again until the next Friday. It changed with the, with the change, the introduction of ATMs. You could, get, you could access to your money 24-7. And so we stopped managing our money. We stopped budgeting. We start making those little decisions that were really important that kept us in check. Well, and there's something else about, truly, about having, if you have to go and actually take out money, real money, it seems more real. Sure does. When you see the money coming out of your wallet or your purse, there's that second thought you have, okay, how much am I spending? Do I really need to spend this? It's like with the Christmas season, too. Putting it on plastic, there's no immediate pain. Taking the bills out of your wallet or purse it has impact. And you think about that. Am I getting good value for the money I'm spending? Because we all know how hard, how hard we work for our money, and yet how quickly we can go through it. Well, and you, you mentioned Christmas. I mean, it's, it's really relevant to be talking about this right now because CIBC just did a poll, and I don't know who they exactly talked to. I'm assuming CIBC clients. Um, but they said they were planning, the average person is planning on spending roughly $1,500 this year at Christmas, which is up a tick from last year. Uh, a, that sounds like a lot of money, and B, I got to believe, as you just said, that when you get those bills at the end, we always hear about it, we always joke about it, but that will sting. It will sting because half the people who have a credit card carry a balance on it. And what people don't realize is that if you're one of those individuals who purchase things with a credit card and then pays the minimum payments, you're adding typically 50% on top of the purchase price of your gifts. So if you bought a gift for someone for $100, and you're going to pay it on the never, never plan on a credit card, that costs you $150. 50 per, 50%? 50% more. That's one of the reasons why the federal government mandated the fact that uh, credit card issuers had to put on their statement how long it would take to pay off that customer's account if they were just paying the minimum payment. People weren't aware of how much interest they were paying. 
But how many people do you estimate are on, you call it the never-never plan? How many people actually pay off their credit card instantly or as close to instantly as possible, and how many drag it out? Well, half pay off the credit card balances when they get the statement at the end of the month, and half of them carry a balance. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. Chatting with Scott Hanna, president of the Credit Counseling Society, about the fact that Canadians, on average, are swimming in debt. Record numbers right now, heading into Christmas, when all of us are going to make that even worse, in all likelihood. And just before the break, Scott, I was saying, it's not great that we're all taking on debt, but shouldn't it be seen as a positive sign for the economy, that we all have so much trust and so much faith and optimism in the economy that we're willing to do this and we're propping up businesses by buying all their stuff, shouldn't that all be a good thing? I think it's it's a good thing when, when people are spending within their means and not putting themselves at risk. And certainly consumer spending is one of the drivers in Canada's economy. You couldn't go from our spending levels today to say, let's shut up, let's just turn the tap off and things will be fine tomorrow. They won't be. But but there's a real need to to keep our spending in check to make sure that one, that we're getting good value for the money that we spend and that um, when we do use credit, we're using it carefully and within our means and with a plan to, to get out of debt within a reasonable period of time. And that's a real shift to what we've seen that's happened, is that um, when credit cards first came into being and were starting to use, they were never meant to carry long-term balances. We've just adjusted our thinking. And when you mm. think about it, why would I want to carry a long-term balance an interest rate of 20% or higher. It doesn't make sense. No, no. Those numbers, I mean, there are there are ways, I suppose, in other things you could do to talk about that, but 20%, you start hearing those numbers, and that, that's crazy to do that over a long time. And I want to clarify, by the way, because I don't know the answer to this, and I meant to ask you earlier, the 171% that we're carrying of debt to disposable income, that does not include things like mortgages, correct? No, it does include mortgages. It does, okay. It does include, so it, it's all of our debt, and certainly... Uh, when you look at that, the amount of mortgage debt that we have, it's gone up dramatically. So it's been a real driver in terms of it seeing this increase. But at the same time, we're seeing that consumer debt continues to percolate and go higher. And it's not just the consumer debt itself. It's who's using this debt. You know, the, the demographic uh, that's increased the debt load the most as of uh, quarter two this year were seniors. And so while they don't carry the most debt, they had the most. They had the highest year-over-year increase in debt. Why? And that's. Is it because they're just their their salaries, their uh, pensions, whatever, are not going up, and they had to try to keep up their same lifestyle? They just have to take on more. For a lot of people, yes, and I think that for a lot of people too. And we look at other surveys is the fact that people are not saving enough for the retirements, and so they're entering their retirement years with debt finding it difficult to scale back and meet their expenses. And certainly when you get hit with an illness or Mm. an unexpected financial emergency, it's difficult to manage when you have a lower income level. And so they're just not that well prepared. What really struck me about um, some of the numbers today and looking at, you had sent something out earlier today, a third of Canadians apparently say they feel overwhelmed by their debt. Overwhelmed is a pretty strong word when, because that to me indicates that this is something that's becoming uh, a tax on their mental health, that they're ruminating on this all the time, that their debt is becoming a central part of their life. How, is that what you're seeing? We are. And, you know, this that's just one survey that we've seen this, but we've seen numerous surveys. We, we talk about the overwhelmed, and it's been as high as 40%. So four out of 10 Canadians saying, I'm overwhelmed with my situation, and I don't know what to do. 
But unfortunately for many people, we, we suffer in silence. Money is still a, a pretty much of a taboo subject. We don't like to discuss this with our friends and family. No one says, boy, I'm having some real difficult times financially. I don't know what to do. No, we're, we're very quiet about that. People ask how you are. You say, oh, we're doing okay. Well, they're not. And this is a situation where I think that Canadians really have to gather the courage and say, if I'm not doing well financially, I need to get some help, and I need to improve my, my financial skills. What's holding me back? For a lot of people, it's fear. Well, and when you say that this does include our mortgages, we were just talking about real estate before you came on, and with the prices of homes in the area we're in right here, down the road in Toronto especially, I mean, I can only imagine if you had to, if you bought into the market, and we know there are people who literally are house poor, every dime they make goes into keeping their mortgage afloat, and so if you're seeing one little increase in interest rates, that would be devastating for them, and that would, I, I, that would weigh incredibly heavily on anybody. Sure it would. I know there was a report <clears throat> published by TransUnion of Canada, one of the credit bureaus, that said that if, it, if mortgage rates went up a full percentage point, 700,000 households in Canada would be in deep financial crisis. Wow. Wow. That's, that. one, that's one percentage point, and those rates are still below our traditional mortgage level. So it and that's a that very realistic thing to have happen. It's likely going to happen in, in the near term as opposed to the midterm. So how do we prepare for this? It's really about getting your, your house in financial order, getting rid of your non-mortgage debt, and really ensuring that you're living within your means and you're managing with a budget. And that's something that we've kind of lost, that, that art, that skill of living within our means. And it's not a question of saying, no, we can't have this. It's a question of saying, what do we need? Let's look after our needs, and if there's anything left over, we can address our wants. But if it's not, let's make sure we've got enough to meet our needs. It is, um, yeah, we only have a few seconds here, but I mean, I know you are a big proponent of making a budget, and the problem is making a budget is not all that difficult. Sticking to that budget is a lot, is a lot more difficult. We're not that good at that. Uh, you've got about 15 seconds. What do you do? Once you've made that budget, how do you force yourself to stick to it? You accept the fact that you're going to make some mistakes as you go along, but you make little, little changes. Don't make drastic changes overnight. Get some wins under your belt. Really look at all your expenses. Get buy-in from your family first. It's a lot easier than going alone. So little steps in the right direction will get you there. Scott Hanna, president of the Credit Counseling Society, a man who, I hate to say this, will probably be quite busy after Christmas when everyone gets their bills back. I I hope not, but um, I expect you probably will be. Scott, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Take care. All the best. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. Did you know that there is a hockey game being played outdoors in Ottawa this weekend? Did you? A lot of people apparently don't know this. And a few years ago, guaranteed if there was going to be an outdoor game played between the Senators and the Montreal Canadiens in Ottawa, in Canada, guaranteed everybody would know about this. Guaranteed everybody would have that date, that time circled on their calendars, whether they were going to watch the whole thing or even just say, you know what, that's really cool. I got to tune in to see that. That's really neat. An outdoor hockey game? That is that was once upon a time the response. And what just amazes me is how the NHL could take a brilliant, simple simple idea, but a brilliant idea that someone stumbled on 
seven or eight or nine years ago. can't remember exactly when it was. The very first one. Remember, the very first one was in Edmonton. And I can't remember how many years ago that was. It was Edmonton and the Canadians. 2005, six, maybe old, maybe longer than that. Anyway, simple idea that then became the game outdoors in Buffalo with Pittsburgh wearing their their old school powder blue uniforms and the snow gently falling and it was beautiful. The NHL took this brilliant idea that they perfectly, and the NHL, not often do we point to the NHL as doing things perfectly, but they perfectly positioned it. They put it on New Year's Day. The NHL, the little league in the four North American major pro leagues, the NHL put their game on New Year's Day, went head-to-head with college football's bowl games, which was a suicide mission. Nobody does that. New Year's Day is for bowl games. Everybody knows that. You sit around and you watch college football. That's what sports fans do, or at least did. 2003, Ben tells me, was that one. That's what they did. They went head-to-head with college bowl games. It was going to be a disaster, and guess what happened? The NHL won. The NHL won that matchup against all odds in remarkable fashion. Suddenly, New Year's Day ceased being college football first and foremost and became the NHL Outdoor Game Day. You would have to tune in to see the outdoor game played by the NHL because it was a really cool thing. And there was visuals and there was breath steam coming out of there, but the whole thing, it looked old school. So what I want to know is, and I know the answer to this, I'm not, I'm, I'm being more redundant or rhetorical than anything, how the NHL took such a brilliant idea, executed so perfectly and completely squeezed the goose that laid the golden egg to death. It wrung that goose's neck and made sure that nobody cares about this anymore. And they did it by taking a really good, unique, interesting idea in very small doses, a once-a-year event that we looked at and we went, yeah, once a year, I that I got to see that. And that's going to draw huge TV ratings, and we're going to be able to jam a stadium filled with people, even though they're sitting so far away they can't see the puck with binoculars. They're there for the atmosphere. We're going to take that great idea. We're going to have so many of these games now that it loses all the intrigue, all the uniqueness, all the fun, so that we couldn't care less about it now. We couldn't care less. 99.9% of people could care less that there's a game outdoors now. Why would we? You know, when we were kids and our parents took us to the ice cream store as a special treat once in a while, ice cream was better than it had ever been ever. And then when you got to the age when you could go and buy ice cream every single day, it wasn't nearly as good. If you eat ice cream every single day, it's not the worst thing. In fact, I would argue it should be one of the major food groups. But that's just me. Maybe this is a bad example. But if you eat ice cream every single day, it doesn't have the same excitement, flavor, whatever, as when it's a special occasion. That's what they did here. And it just stuns me that the NHL that needs something like this, that wants something like this, and that found something like this, 
could take such a brilliant idea, such a brilliant concept executed so well and kill it. I had to be, I, I like to think of myself as a pretty in tune sports watcher, follower. I like to believe that I'm on top of a lot of things going on in the world of sports. I had to be reminded this week that there was a game coming up. Five, six, seven years ago, nobody had to remind anybody. We all knew. We all knew. Even those who weren't hockey fans made a point of tuning in to see the visuals. Now, why would you? We've seen it before. What the NHL has to do, the NHL now has to do something that is almost impossible. And that is find a new thing that will get everybody to watch. And considering this was discovered almost completely by accident, good luck finding that. So congratulations, I suppose, are in order to the NHL for somehow finding a way to take the best idea they've had in decades and ruining it. Because I'm not watching on the weekend. I got other things to do. And I'm sure 99% of people will do the same. They may tune in for a second or two, but we've seen it before. I'll find something else. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Every year, near the end of the year, which we are rapidly approaching, Google puts out its lists of trending topics that people have searched for on Google. And basically how this works, and I, you know, sorry if I'm patronizing you, I'm not intending to, but just in case someone doesn't know, every time you do a search on Google, it doesn't just vanish into the ether. Google collects, well, we hope they don't collect necessarily all your private information, although, hmm, who knows. But they do keep track, there are numbers, so they can tell you to the number how many searches were done for certain topics. So they can then at the end of the year tell us What were the things, and I think the interpretation from this would be, what were the things that were of most interest to people? I think that's probably the the way we can break this down. What were people most interested in over the course of the year? I'm going to skip the overall top 10 for just a second. I'm going to come to that. But let's start at the bottom here with, well, let's go with political figures. Who do you think would be on the list of political... Now, these are Canadians, by the way. So this, these are searches in the country of Canada, in our borders. They can even whittle it down to that. What are the names of the... Who are the politicians that were most searched for by Canadians? Well, let me tell you. I'll give you just the top five. And not all of them, as it turns out, are Canadians, which is probably not all that surprising. Emmanuel Macron, Roy Moore, Jagmeet Singh, Andrew Scheer... And, yes, Donald Trump. Of course, it's Donald Trump number one. I don't care if you're in Canada or wherever else. Donald Trump is going to be number one in the list of searched for politicians. Musicians. Who were the most, in Canada, what musicians were most looked up on Google? Well, um, I know some of these. <laughs> um, some of these I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with knowing all of them, but Ben will be able to help me out with some of these, I'm sure, because if there's one thing Ben is known for, it's his deep and abiding love of gangster rap and B-side hip-hop albums. Ben, well, okay, have you ever heard of Lil Pump? Unfortunately, yes. Okay, Lil Pump was number five. Well, I'm going to give you all ten. Sam Smith, Aaron Carter, Jason Aldean, 
Luis Fonzi was number seven. Cardi B, I've heard of Cardigan, not Cardi Gee. Uh, Lil Pump, Ariana Grande, heard of her. Number three, Shania Twain. Number two, Ed Sheeran. Number one, most searched for musician in Canada. Did not expect this one because you kind of think that Google is going to, or a lot of these searches, people who are most hands-on with the internet and with the web, all that stuff, are going to be younger. Neil Young, number one most searched for musician in Canada in 2016. Consumer tech, this is a good one. This falls right into the internet search thing. What would be the things that people have searched for most tech-wise this year? Super NES Classic. Google Pixel 2, Samsung Galaxy 8. Was Samsung Galaxy 8, Ben, the one that kept bursting into flames? I believe so. Okay, so that would explain that. iOS 11. I know why I searched for iOS 11. That's the operating system for your Apple phones because everything I read about it, it wanted to keep downloading. It finally did, and I don't know how. But everything I read says it's going to slow your phone down and chew up the battery. See, I haven't updated my phone since iOS 9, and mine, mine's running just fine. I, I, I do like iOS 11, and it hasn't done the horrible things that everyone said it was going to, but I was very concerned that suddenly my phone would operate much slower and my battery would be gone by the end of the day. Hey, it could be a, a Galaxy 8. <laughs> uh, six, Google Home Mini. Those are those little things you've seen the ads for on TV now that you can ask any question to it and it tells you the answer. And you, In fact, you could have done, if you had a Google Home Mini right now, you could know the answer to all the things we're going to talk about because you could have just said, what were the top Google searched items in Canada? Uh, Xbox One X, Instant Pot, which I don't think has got anything to do with the laws that are about to come into play in this country, although I'm not sure. Do you know what Instant Pot is? No, but I'm, I'm just laughing because, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> You know what? Why don't you look up for me what Instant Pot is, and hopefully the IT department here at the station doesn't think we're starting to grow some uh, some stuff that's going to get us fired. But uh, Nintendo Switch, number three. iPhone X was number two. And number one for consumer items this year that were searched for, iPhone 8, which I find puzzling that iPhone X, which is supposed to be this massive leap forward, would actually be the second only most searched for, not number one. Anything on Instant Pot? The Instant Pot is a multi-use pressure cooker. You can buy them from Canadian Tire. That's and it? Yeah. I guess uh, it's supposed to be a really, really fast way to make food. Or to grow pot, maybe. Instant Pot Pot. That would be the uh, the next thing that we'll find on there. Losses. All right. Who do you think is going to be on the list of the top 10 searches in this country for Deaths. That's what losses are. Deaths. People, celebrities, for the most part. In fact, I would say all of them. What do you think in Canada, who would have been the most widely searched for celebrity death? Well, we'll start with number 10, Aaron Hernandez. Remember Aaron Hernandez? He was the New England Patriots tight end who was accused and convicted of murdering a number of people and then killed himself in his jail cell. David Cassidy, very recently, the Partridge family. Lil Peep. Help us out, Ben. Who's Lil Peep? Uh, I have no idea. Oh, that's good. Okay. I, I, I have much more faith in you now that you don't know Lil Peep. Um, number seven, Roy Halliday. Makes sense. Number six, Hugh Hefner. That also makes sense. Number five, Chester Bennington. 
Okay, number four. Now, I was sure this guy would be at least number two, probably in Canada, number one. Who would you have expected to be number one in Canada among deaths this year? Gord Downey. Number four, Gord Downey. Only number four. Could it be that not as many people love the tragically hip as we were led to believe? Hmm. Just, you know, that'll cause some people to have a conniption. But I do wonder if he was, if the tragically hip was as big as we were led to believe. But anyway, uh, number three, Bill Paxton. Number two, Chris Cornell. And number one, surprising to me, Tom Petty. Number one, Google search in Canada this year for dead celebrities. Movies. Let me ask you right off the top. What movie do you think was searched for, Ben, more often than any other in Canada this year? What would people have had the most interest in? Star Wars The Last Jedi. All right. Well, let's see here. Number 10, Thor Ragnarok. Didn't see that one. Number 9, Get Out. Well, I'm t- that's the name of the movie. I'm not telling you. Uh, number 8, Blade Runner 2049. Number 7, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Number 6, Logan. Number 5, Dunkirk which is actually pronounced two different ways. If you're a Canadian, most of you say Dunkirk. That's what I heard. But if you're Scottish or from in the old country, it's Dunkirk. Uh, number four, Justice League. Number three, Beauty and the Beast. The second most searched for movie this year in Canada on Google was Wonder Woman. I could see that. That makes sense. But here's where I'm a little bit surprised because I would have also thought that Ben was correct, that Star Wars, The Last Jedi would probably be in there. It's not even on the top 10. Number one, the most searched for movie this year in Canada was It, that horror movie with the clown and the red balloons. There you go. Not, uh, TV shows. TV shows that were most searched for in Canada on Google this year. Number 10, Big Mouth. Number nine, The Handmaid's Tale. Largely filmed in Hamilton, so that would make sense. Even though this is across the country, everybody in Canada knows it's filmed in Hamilton. Thus, we must look it up. We can hope so. Number eight, This Is Us. Number seven, The OA. Number six, thought number six would be a lot higher. I thought number six would be much, much higher. Number six on the list of most searched for TV shows, Stranger Things. Are you a Stranger Things fan? I wouldn't say I'm not a fan, but I haven't seen the show, so I can't really oh, you, call oh. myself. Well, no, you can't then. You are, you're a dork if you've never seen the show. Everyone's seen the show. Come on, everyone's seen Stranger Things. What's taking you so long? This should be right in your wheelhouse. Uh, as a dork, I have school. And... Okay. All right, your dorkness has been retracted slightly since you do. That's f- I, f- I keep forgetting that you have school, so... Yeah, you don't want to be doing too much binge watching. It, so I, I retract your dorkness. I, I take that back. Re, slightly retracted. Number five, Santa Clarity Diet. Number four, these are TV shows most searched for, Iron Fist. Number three, Riverdale, which is that new takeoff version spinoff of the Archie comics in real life. Number two, what do you think number two would be on the list or number one? Either of the top two TV shows searched for in Canada this year. I don't have any idea. I have to be honest. Number two, Game of Thrones. That kind of makes sense, I guess. Game of Thrones would always... Game of Thrones people are internet people. Yes. So there you go. And number one, and I don't know that this was because of the show or because of the fallout from the show, 13 Reasons Why. 
which everybody was talking was 13. It was that show about a girl at her school who committed suicide and essentially blamed everybody and explained why their actions caused that. But it also led to a big blowback because people were saying there was a lot of that that was really dangerous and were going to cause people with suicide if suicidal impulses to act. So I, I, I get that. Uh, okay, here's the interesting one. And I'll see, you know what, I'm going to put you to the test, Ben, and I hope I don't uh, put you on the spot. Well, I kind of do, actually. Um, These are the 10 most searched for why questions. People were typing in why. They saw something happen, and they didn't know why, and so they typed in why, blah, blah, blah. So let's see if you can, how many of these questions you can answer. These are great, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I might be able to get a few. Why is Canadian Thanksgiving different than U.S. Thanksgiving? Uh, simple. It's well, the, the simple answer. The date. Okay. Well, I'll give you the date. Okay. This one. Okay. This one. I don't even understand the question, and I particularly have no clue how this could be a much asked question that it would land in the top ten for Canadian searches because it's so obtuse that it makes no sense to me at all. The simple question is: Why is everything so heavy? <laughs> how? Do, who is sitting at home thinking? I know Google's coming out with their list, so I'm going to screw it up by typing in this question. 12 million times this year. Why is everything so heavy? I won't even make you answer that question unless you really want to take a stab at it. I, I can guess. All right. Gravity. <laughs> it's a cra- okay. crazy, crazy thing. Crazy notion. Uh, number eight. Why doesn't Caillou have hair? <laughs> <laughs> Again, only in Canada. The most annoying cartoon character ever. Number seven, I won't make you answer that one either. I think he may have that um, that condition. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, childhood ruining theories <laughs> behind that. Why are fidget spinners so popular? Uh, because people are peculiar, and that's why fidget spinners happen. People like to think they have fidgets, so they buy stuff. This one, uh, this one, this was a good question, actually. This was a smart question for people, the next one to be asking. Why is the solar eclipse dangerous to look at? Well, because the actual, effectively, you will chemically alter your eye and it ruins Burn everything. the retina, yes. Yeah. You, but I'm glad that people ask that question rather than simply staring at the eclipse. Why does Catalonia want independence? Well, because the people aren't happy. Uh, I think it was like Spain originally took over. It's kind of like the whole Quebec thing of, we're not like you, so we want to go away. You're doing very well on this one. Why are women marching? Because oppression... Why are there so many hurricanes? Uh, because the world doesn't like that section of the U.S. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't like the world. Yeah, nature doesn't like trailer parks. <laughs> we we will wipe out all trailer parks if it takes fifteen hurricanes and four hundred tornadoes. They will all be gone. Why are flags in Canada at half mast? Well, that's tough because we don't know when these were all someone, typed in. Someone, someone had passed died. away. And why are NFL players protesting the national anthem? Uh, because. Oppression once again. All right. Uh, international news. Uh, i got to fly through some of these. International news. April the giraffe. You remember April the giraffe? Uh, that was the one that gave birth yes, to they, a Yes. A, a zoo put a giraffe on a webcam and said it's about to give birth, and so people started tuning in, and it was like nine months later. They didn't tell us that when they started that webcam... The giraffe had just had a boom chicka wow wow night with its partner, and it was nine months later. They were, they, I think people felt led astray by April the giraffe, but it was eventually born. And people were probably a little surprised by how bir- uh, giraffes give birth. Well, it was, uh, it was fast, and it was uh, from a great height. Yeah. 
Uh, Charlottesville, Manchester Arena bombing, Hurricane Jose, Las Vegas shooting, solar eclipse, Bitcoin, Trump news, not surprising, North Korea, I'm surprised, number one on the list, I thought Trump would be number one, Hurricane Irma was number one on the list. Uh, Okay, a few how questions and then we're going to go to the overall most searched for things in Canada. How to help someone with depression. You don't have to answer this. This is just an interesting thing that people type in. How much does it cost to build a house? How often should you wash your hair? I'll answer that one regularly, please. Number seven, how to make slime. Again, how many people are typing in this question in Canada that it gets into the top 10 list of most searched for things on Google? How to renew a Canadian passport. Honestly, how are more people asking about making slime than dealing with depression? I don't understand this. How to buy Bitcoin in Canada. How to make solar eclipse glasses. How soon should you take a pregnancy test? Ben? I wouldn't wouldn't know that. (laughs) How many teaspoons in a tablespoon? That's a good one. And how do they name hurricanes? All right. Uh, The people. Overall. Canadians searched for these 10 people more than any other people on the web this year. Omar Cutter, the accused terrorist who got the payout from the government. Ed Sheeran, Floyd Mayweather, Louis C.K., Gal Gadot, Melania Trump, Eric Salvale, Kevin Spacey, Matt Lauer, Harvey Weinstein. Well, we can see a pattern there of what was causing people to be searching. And the Overall searches this year, the most searched for things in Canada, the grand finale, the big poobah of the search world. Number 10, Super Bowl. I'm sure that's on the list every year. I didn't check past years, but I'm sure that'll be all the time. Number nine, iPhone 8. Number eight, fidget spinner. Number seven, 13 reasons why. Some of these things you've heard before already, but they're on the big list. Number six, Chris Cornell. Number five, North Korea. Number four, shocker here. I have no idea why this would be so high. Ottawa Senators. Honestly, like you would think the Maple Leafs or the Blue Jays or the Canadians or almost any other Canadian team, the Senators are about the smallest NHL team. I have no idea why they were so heavily searched for. Anyway, number three, Tom Petty. Number two, Meghan Markle, the future, I don't know what she's the future, royal something. I don't, have they designated what her title is going to be it? I'm not sure. Anyway, and number one, most searched for thing by Canadians on Google all year, not Gord Downey, which I thought it might be, not Donald Trump, which I thought it might be, Hurricane Irma. Interesting. That is your list. Now, what we'll do, there are, on this list, there are roughly, I don't know, 150 countries that also have their own list. So for the next 150 days, we will every day count down one country's top Google searches. Tomorrow, Estonia. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Liechtenstein. Yeah, yeah, we're not. We're not going to do that. But you can go online if you want to know if you're if you're interested about any particular country. Just type in Google searches 2017, and there you can choose your country. Every single country, pretty much, I think, in the world is listed. I believe. And you can look it all up. And uh, by the way, if you are interested in the top search from Estonia, it would be ID Cardi Certificate Tide Unidumine. Bless you. 
<laughs> That's what it says right there. I'm doing my best to read it. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.